Welcome to Mystery with a History. This is a podcast that looks at the who, what, when, where, and tries to find the why in a mystery. Welcome to episode eight. I'm Anomaly. And I'm Katie. I'm so excited that we're on episode eight. I know. Well, guys, since we're a new podcast, we ask that if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating and review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along on social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok at Mystery with a History Pod, and Facebook and Twitter at Mystery with a History Podcast. All right, Katie. Well, I'm really excited to hear what you are going to talk about. This is a tale of intrigue. It is. Betrayal. Crime. (laughs) True crime. True crime. You know how I feel about true crime. And a man named Sandy. And a man named Sandy (laughs) who loved some fruitcake. Well, I have to admit, I'm not a fan of fruitcake. You're not. No. Those... It's those candied fruits right. are just repulsive to me. Repulsive? <laughs> They're repulsive. Oh, my. But I'll tell you what my alternative is. Mm-hmm. Stolen. What's stolen? Stolen is... <laughs> it's a, what Sandy did with the fruitcake. That's right. <laughs> hey, what? Stolen the fruitcake. Stolen is a German fruited bread. Okay. That's more like... Um, well, the way I personally make it is fruit soaked in rum. Right. So, like, candy cherries, raisins, golden raisins, um, yeah, all that stuff. Okay. Soaked in rum mm-hmm. for as long as you possibly can, and then mixed into this really nice, rich, cinnamony kind of a brioche dough. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my holiday loaf. That's your go-to. Yeah. All right. Well, Anomaly, I love everything about the holidays. The lights, the smells, the sales, the gatherings, and the decorations. Amen. And and I love the food. Oh, yeah. Even fruitcake. Ooh. I love fruitcake. (laughs) You said you don't like fruitcake, though. So this is going to make today's present that I'm gifting you extremely awkward. Hold on one second. (laughs) I've got a surprise for you. Oh my gosh, let me see how... Oh, it's pretty heavy. I think I know what it might be. Oh, it's so cute. It's a fruitcake. Old-fashioned Claxton fruitcake. World famous. I love Claxton fruitcake. Where do they make this? I have no idea, but you can get them for like $3 at Walmart. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Now I'll have something for when... um, Company comes, and it says it is the choice of millions since 1910. Right. It's a good fruitcake. Millions cannot be wrong. Millions are not wrong. But I have a challenge for you, Anomaly. Okay. I have been watching seasons of the Great Baking Challenge. Have you? Yes. And one of their episodes, they had a fruitcake challenge. Oh. Where they got a store-bought packaged fruitcake <laughs> that none of them were excited about. Right. Because they, they're bakers like you, and they were like, I don't want a store-bought fruitcake. Mm-hmm. But they had to take that store-bought fruitcake, and they could do whatever they wanted to with it, but Mm. they had to use it as an ingredient in a different dessert. Interesting. So my challenge to you is to take that (laughs) fruitcake and figure out something that you can do with it that would make an excellent holiday dessert. And then you can report back to me later. Absolutely. I already have some ideas. Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right. So, Anomaly, you don't make fruitcakes, obviously. You make stolen. I do. (laughs) But my grandma always made one, and exactly one, 
Japanese fruitcake every year for my grandpa for Christmas. I would assume that one's really all you, all the normal person could do. She hated making it so much, <laughs> and he loved it, so she would only oh. make one a year. And when I was a kid, I remember going to their house at Christmas and smelling the fragrant boozy cake and thinking about how fancy and exotic it was. <laughs> In fact, that's how Japanese fruitcake got its name. Oh. The origins have been lost to time, but it is said that the Japanese fruitcake is a southern dessert and named because the ingredients were so far typical from your regular ingredients in southern fare with all the spices and dried fruits that it could only come from a place that was special and far away. Like Japan. That is hilarious. I've never heard that before. You've never heard? No. no. Have you ever it. heard of a Japanese fruitcake? No. Just oh. fruitcake. That's, I think, just standard in southern kitchens <laughs> wow. at Christmas time. I'm going to stick a link to a southern living recipe for Japanese fruitcake in the show notes because it looks delicious, and I might give it a try this year. Oh, it's got like a layer of coconut in it. It looks Ooh. really good. Yum. But my grandma's fruitcake recipe is not the mystery that I'm here to tell you about today, though why the thing weighed 20 pounds is anyone's guess. No, today I'm going to tell you about another southern fruitcake mystery. Unlike my other ones, this one isn't oldy and moldy. <laughs> Good. This one is fresh, just like you want your holiday dessert to be. Mm -hmm. I was so excited about this story because I watched a documentary last Christmas named Fruitcake Fraud on Discovery+. Plus. I imagine giving myself a little treat of a warm blanket and cuddling up on the couch and doing research by my very favorite method, watching TV. Heck yeah. Yeah. Instead, the documentary is no longer streaming, and I had to pull up newspapers and actually put in the work. <laughs> Boo. I know. <laughs> Most of this information comes from an amazing article in Texas Monthly written by Katie Vine entitled Just Desserts. So thank you, other Katie, for your amazing <laughs> article. Anomaly, today we are taking a trip to Corsicana, Texas. Oh, do we have to? Yes, we do. Population 25,000. And we are only going to take a tiny little frog hop back to the year 2004. We're going to visit your favorite place, a bakery. Yay! Not just any old bakery, but the Collins Street Bakery, known around the world for their famous fruitcake. The Collins Street Bakery is the heart of the town, the kind of place that still charges five cents for a cup of coffee and gives away free samples of their famous fruitcake to those who come into the store. They regularly employ around 60 people, but take on 650 employees for the holidays. Whoa. So we're not talking about a small fruitcake stand. No. Colin makes and sells 4 million pounds of fruitcake every year, an estimated 20,000 fruitcakes a day during the holiday rush. Wow. Yes. And I was going to go back to what you were saying about Stollen, is that... This might be a fruitcake that you like because their roots is a German bakery. Oh. It was started way mm -hmm. back as from some German immigrants that started this bakery, and they had kind of a German version of a fruitcake. Interesting. And I think it's kind of evolved over mm -hmm. the years. Now it's got, I think it said 30% Texas pecans, so it's oh. very nutty and rich. Mm, and, I love a nutty bread. Yeah, it should be really good. Their regular deluxe fruitcake is their most popular item, and you can order one for $36.45 plus shipping from their website. Reasonable. Yeah. They also say they get tons of orders the old-fashioned way through the mail. Many letters are just simply addressed to Fruitcake Texas. Our 
Our story today is going to center around one employee at Collins Street Bakery, a man named Sandy Jenkins. Sandy had been with Collins Street since 1998. Sandy was a corporate controller, you know, the financial guy, and he made around $50,000 a year. Usually people's paychecks are their own business, but I'm throwing that in because that little fact will be important later in our story. Uh-huh. Sandy was by all accounts a quiet guy, reserved. He tried to make small talk and was friendly, but he never really seemed to fit in with his co-workers. Sandy, though, had dreams. Big dreams. According to Katie Vine, Sandy said his biggest dream was to be a funeral director. Huh. Why is that? Well, he, he didn't want to be a funeral director because he liked to be around death and sadness, hmm. but he really admired the opulence of the really fancy funeral homes. The formal suits that were required, the fine decor, the fancy cars that all go along with the high-end funeral business. I could see it. Yeah. Because Sandy loved fancy stuff. He had ever since he was a boy, and he dreamed of a big life in Corsicana. Sandy was also a little envious of his boss and CEO of Collins Street Bakery, Mm -hmm. Bob McNutt. From the interviews I've seen... Wait a second. His name was McNutt? Bob McNutt makes really nutty Texas pecan fruitcakes. Yes, I'm sure he's heard the jokes before. (laughs) From the interviews that I've seen, Bob seems to be an all-around good guy. He seems really friendly, outgoing, well-traveled, successful, and despite all that, maybe even a little humble. Bob was the type of guy that Sandy really wanted to be. Sandy didn't live a bad life. He had a good, steady job. He attended church regularly and even became a deacon. He lived in a nice home in a nice neighborhood. Sure, his car wasn't the newest model, and it was hard to keep up with the payments, but he was getting by. Sandy also had a wife named Kay. Kay was Sandy's complete and total opposite in every single way. Where Sandy was quiet, Kay was boisterous. Where Sandy had a hard time standing out, Kay was the life of the party. Sandy and Kay met in college and soon married. They had a child that had grown and flown the nest, and they were settling into that sunset period of the good life, free of the daily responsibilities and expenses of raising a family, but before retirement where you still have a steady income and you feel comfortable spending your money. Sandy was an all-around hard worker and a good employee. He was reliable and efficient. Anything Sandy was asked to do, he did it, and he did it well. He was responsible for moving the fruitcake company's accounting from a manual process to a computerized one. So here Sandy was, doing fine but not successful with a capital S. As Robin Leach from the old TV show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous would say, Sandy had champagne wishes and caviar dreams. (laughs) The problem was he was getting older and the retirement clock was a ticking down. How in the world would Sandy be able to afford to break into the old money circles of oil and fruitcake rich Corsicana society? Then in December of 2004, it hit him. He worked in finance. Uh He was a hard worker and maybe he felt like he was owed more than he was being paid. Whatever his reason, Sandy decided to dip his toes into the embezzlement pool by taking some petty cash. Sandy... Sandy. He used this little bit of ill-gotten gain to buy a new-to-him used Lexus. Okay. Sandy probably fully expected for someone to catch on to his theft, but no one did. After that, his illegitimate withdrawals from the company became much larger. 
So here's how it worked. If you'll remember, Sandy was part of the computer. If you'll remember, Sandy was part of the computerization of the books. So what he would do is go in and print a check for one of his bills. Let's say American Express. He would write a check for twenty thousand dollars to American Express and send it off. His bills would then be paid. He'd go into the bookkeeping system and void that check. He would then issue a second $20,000 check to a legitimate Collins Street Bakery vendor, but never actually mail it. So the books would balance, and the bank account would balance, but the vendors weren't getting paid. See, this is why I could never embezzle anything, because I don't even understand any of that. Like, I wouldn't be smart enough to do <laughs> no. any of it, no. He would also write false checks to things that look like legitimate business expenses that are hard to track down, like stamps for advertising. So there was a little side story of a woman who got called. She was kind of in the marketing department. She got pulled into the CEO's office, and he was like, what are you doing? You were spending so much money on advertising. Oh my gosh. He's like, you spent $20,000 on stamps. And she's like, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it was little expenses like that yeah. that started to add up. I'm sure Sandy thought he had a plan that would work, but he had to know deep down that it was a house of cards that would crash down on him eventually. That's just what happened when Collins Street Bakery hired a whip-smart new person to the accounting team. Symmetric Walker was a young new accounting clerk, and she noticed that something was amiss with the old checks. When she took the check to her boss, Sandy, Symmetric said she knew by looking at his face that something wasn't right. She looked deeper and found $400,000 worth of irregularities right off the bat. Jeez. The moment Sandy took an afternoon off, she felt it was a good opportunity to take what she had found to Sandy's boss and the other executives. She was so brave to come forward with these irregularities. Can you imagine? She's young and new to the team, and you're asking about what could be criminal fraud. That would have to be a really scary position to be in. In a 2021 article, Miss Walker is listed as the company's current controller, as she should be. I'm sure that eventually the massive amounts of missing money would be tracked down, but she pretty much single-handedly saved the Collins Street Bakery from this huge financial drain. So why didn't the higher-ups at Collins Street notice? What about Bob McNutt? Well, Sandy would time his checks to come out at times when the company was outlying large expenses either during holiday stock-ups of ingredients for holiday orders or when the company decided to expand into other locations and stores. The managers simply blamed growth and things costing more than they expected to the downturn in profits. Sneaky Sandy. Sneaky. All right, Anomaly, we know the who, the why, and the how, and now let's explore the question of what. Let's see what exactly was part of Sandy's champagne wishes and caviar dreams. In total, the FBI reports that Sandy took a total value of $16,766,745.70. Oh, my goodness. Almost $17 million over 10 years. Wow. I'm not great at math, but that is a stolen salary of $1.7 million per year. Here's a rundown of what Sandy spent during his decadent decade. According to an FBI press release, the Jenkins bought 38 cars. They bought a new car every time they needed an oil change anomaly. What? How did he? Okay. So he went from a used Lexus. Yes. To how many cars? 38. Okay. See, 
You got greedy, Sandy. But they were smart because, see, they would buy a car in the same color. So no one would hopefully (laughs) notice that it was new. Oh, that's crazy. They bought 38 cars. They included a car. They included cars like Lexus, Mercedes, Bentley, and Porsche. They bought a second home in Santa Fe. They spent an average of $98,000 per month on their American Express black card. Clink. (laughs) (laughs) Their Neiman Marcus personal shopper called them fruitcake and cupcake (laughs) as an affectionate nickname because they spent so much time there. They spent $1.2 million in that one store alone. Oh, my word. They spent $3.3 million on 223 trips to really nice places. They weren't flying coach like us, Anomaly. They weren't even (laughs) flying first class. They were flying on private jets everywhere they went. They remodeled their kitchen. They held lavish dinner parties with fine wine from their brand new wine cellar. They added a $40,000 horsehair mattress and a $58,000 Steinway piano to their home. And they spent a whopping $2 million on furs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have to say, the horsehair mattress, I don't know. I didn't even know that was a thing until recently. I didn't know you could buy one of those. Yeah, I guess it's a rich people thing. Why would we know? <laughs> we have no business now. <laughs> I have no business knowing about horsehair mattresses. I have so many questions. <laughs> Do they shave the horse to get the horse hair? I think they, like, use the hair from the um, the mane and the tail. Oh, that makes that sense. That kind of hair, yeah. Because that seems really sharp and prickly yeah. to use any other hair. I was just picturing little bald horses running around. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Now I'm a pretty good budgeter. I can stretch a dollar, but I have no idea how Sandy could convince anyone near him that he could afford this lifestyle. Remember back at the beginning, I said that Sandy made $50,000 a year as a controller? I'm sure that will get you a nice, comfortable existence in Corsicana, but it certainly won't get you a Kardashian-sized lifestyle. The Jenkins reportedly told friends that they had inherited money, and Sandy often told folks that he flipped cars as a side hustle and made extra cash that way. Well, there you go. I mean, easy peasy. (laughs) Everybody knows there's a lot of money in buying a depreciating car. The private jet was simply on loan from a cousin. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) When Sandy's house of stolen cards came crashing down in 2013, he didn't know what to do. I mean, he's not a criminal at heart. Frantically, Sandy packed up as much of the valuable merchandise that was movable, like watches, jewelry, and gold bars. He hid as much as he could carry at places unknown to the FBI, like a safe outside of town. And he even took a trip to Lady Bird Lake and left a trail of $20,000 watches and other valuables hidden around the park. He threw a big bag of jewelry into the lake. Despite trying to hide the easy stuff, the FBI raided the Jenkins home and took the large valuables. Bob McNutt and the rest of the Collins Street Bakery crew needed their $17 million back. Yeah. The FBI was able to recover about $4 million in items, and much was sold at a Jenkins estate sale to recoup as much as possible. People lined up around the block to see what treasures they could buy from the Jenkins Hall. Bob McNutt even handed out fruitcake treats to waiting shoppers to keep people in a happy, spendy mood. See, I told you, he seems like a pretty cool guy. (laughs) He's a smart guy. In May 2014, Sandy was charged and pled guilty to one count of mail fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, and one count of fabricating a false statement to a financial institution. He tried to keep Kay out of as much of it as possible. 
Kay pled guilty one year later in May of 2015 to one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. She made a plea with the district attorney since, according to her, she and Sandy never directly discussed the embezzlement scheme. In an article from the Corsicana Daily Sun, Kay said that she deliberately closed her eyes to what would otherwise have been obvious to her. Sandy was sentenced on September 16, 2015, to 120 months in a federal prison, and Kay was sentenced to five years of probation, no jail time for her, and 100 hours of community service. Hmm. So what do you think about those sentences? Does the time, does the time fit the crime normally? <laughs> um, I mean, come on. Kay was complicit. Well, she says she wasn't. Right. She says that she had no knowledge of where he was getting the money mm. from. He apparently was telling her that he was doing side work, side accounting work for this kind of well-to-do family, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that they were giving him all these things as, as a thank you and, and an appreciation. Now, do you believe that? Right. Probably not, but do you, or I guess she was probably... So he was trying to protect her for the most part, well, I guess. Legally speaking, he was yeah. trying to protect her, but I think it was a lot of ostrich with their head in the sand yes, kind of situation completely. going on. It was one of those situations to where... I think she had asked him one point, well, if something happens to you, what happens to the money? And he says the money stops. Mm-hmm. Indeed it does. So, who knows? I don't want to come across as giving Sandy too much sympathy. He did a really bad thing. The Collins Street Bakery had a tough time, though luckily they recovered well and have put this behind them. I'm sure people either lost their jobs or they weren't hiring as many people during these years to make up for the money that seemed to disappear. But I don't know. I feel a little bad for Sandy. I think he spent most of his life quietly waiting to be noticed. He said to reporter Katie Vine, quote, Suddenly people were interested in me and what I had to say. It was like suddenly I was a new different person who could do things for them and take them places. Mm. It almost wasn't even about the money. Right. I think for him it was simply about love, affection, and just getting that attention that he always wanted. Yeah. Hmm. It seems like he was a guy who wanted so desperately to be accepted and to make friends, but he chose an extremely terrible way to go about getting what he wanted. Sadly, Sandy died while serving his prison term. His wife, Kay, put in her time for probation and community service and has moved away from Corsicana to start a new life elsewhere. And that, dear listeners, is the story of an embezzlement at a fruitcake company. Well, that was thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a really exciting story. I very much enjoyed that story. Usually embezzlement stories are kind of a snooze fest for Mm, me because mm -hmm. I don't understand the, like, how it all works. Right. But this one was a lot of fun. Yeah, and because most likely there wasn't fruitcake involved in the others. I don't pay attention unless there's food involved. (laughs) Well, that, dear listeners, brings us to the end of our story. We really hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. You can find all our sources for this episode on our website at mysterywithahistory.buzzsprout.com. Follow Mystery with a History on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where we post photos from our episodes and more. (laughs) Mystery with a History is written and produced by us, Anomaly and Katie. New episodes air every Tuesday on most podcast outlets, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to rate us and leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and stay curious! curious.
Until next week, bye. Bye.